You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Ready to roll for the next two hours. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Welcome to Wild Card Weekend. Lots of football to discuss. Lots of it having nothing to do with the teams actually playing this weekend, right? With all the things that have been going on with the Giants, Dave Gettleman's uh, press conferences from both Tuesday and then on the Michael K. Show on Thursday. So we have to go over that. Lots to talk of uh, the Patriots dynasty could be over, could officially end this weekend as they face off against the Titans tonight. Of course, you have the Bills and the uh, Texans in the first game of the day. How much pressure is Deshaun Watson under to, to win a playoff game? you got the two games tomorrow. So obviously uh, Dave Gettleman is going to be front and center on this Saturday morning. And, you know, this is really shaping up to be. It's not there's not that many jobs that are open. It feels like most year there have been more jobs open. But I really do feel like it's been one of the more interesting coaching periods that we've had in years. And it's not, I don't think, just because the Giants job is open and maybe the Cowboys. Is the Cowboys job going to be open? Are we going to decide that? How many days is it until the NFL draft? Because it feels like that that decision is dragging on. A lot more than it probably should be, considering the amount of time that has been focused on that during the season. But then you have what the heck, not only what the Cowboys are doing, uh, the Redskins already have a, a head coach in Ron Rivera, all the things going on with the Cleveland Browns, so uh, that's very interesting. But you know, every once in a while, you get a story that makes you kind of sit back and, and chuckle. Makes you sit back and laugh and makes you, if you're doing a show like this, you know, you, you start to plan out what you want to talk about. But then something comes in out of left field, maybe appropriately enough out of left field, that makes you say, wait a sec, I gotta, I gotta get this in early and often. And yesterday we got one of those stories. The New York Post, Joel Sherman, Mike Puma, Ken Davidoff teaming up, giving the details of just how it happened that Ioannis Cespedes got injured. Now, you remember, it was back last summer, I think it was May, that we get the story, Cespedes already out after the heel surgery, that he is not going to be coming back anytime soon because he fractured his ankle, falling in a hole on his ranch down in Florida, which right away was one of those stories. What was the general reaction to that? I think everybody kind of had the same reaction. Only the Mets. Only the Mets could have a guy who had been out. Remember, he was out. He came back. He played one game. After the game, he announces, yes, both of my heels apparently need surgery. He's gone again. While he's gone, he's on his ranch, and he falls in a hole. Baseball is good for for a lot of story, like, like a, a lot of weird kind of injuries that happen. But I, I could leave out the particulars of the, of the, of the, of the story. The fact that it was the Mets, I could leave out the name of Ioannis Cespedes. I could just tell you, hey, there's a baseball player who, while hurt already, while already rehabbing or recovering or whatever you want to say, re-injured himself by falling in a hole. And if I, if we put you on Jeopardy or we put you on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Maybe millionaire is better. And we gave you four options. I don't think you would need the phone a friend. I don't think you would need let's make it a 50-50. I think that once you saw Mets as one of the four options, I feel like you'd be pretty – that would not be a question that would be late in the game, right? That would be one of the first five that they just knock out of the box so you could get some money before deciding whether or not to move on or not. It's got to be a Met. But then – Yesterday, from falling in a hole, the story got, I don't know, depending on your perspective, it either got worse, it got better, it got funnier, it got more Metzian. The Post reports the reason Cespedes fell in the hole was because he had an interaction with a wild boar. Like, that's just one of those things when you're in broadcast. There's certain times where you have a story. I remember the best example of it was, Remember a few years back when the, the, the Rex Ryan foot fetish story came up? And you're if you're a broadcaster, you're like, am I going to talk about foot fetishes on the air? 
Like you say wild boar and it just sounds weird. I live in North Jersey. We got a lot of animals running around, deer, skunks, the raccoons get in the garbage all the time. Bats, we had bat encounters. To my knowledge, there are no wild boars. So I'm going to have to plead a little bit of ignorance. But apparently down in Florida, this is an issue. So according to the Post, multiple people who were informed of the incident, Cespedes has traps on his ranch for a variety of reasons. What are the other reasons outside of boar? Is he capturing – who is he capturing there? Is he capturing people, break, breaking it? I mean what other traps has he got hanging around? It sounds like it's – the whole place is booby-trapped, uh, including to keep boars away from people. But one boar was removed from a trap, perhaps by Cespedes, and either charged towards Cespedes or startled him, causing Cespedes to step in the hole. My favorite line is this one. Cespedes reported the injury to the Mets, including immediately that he was trying to sidestep a boar. (laughs) Met officials and representatives for Cespedes went to the ranch the following day and came away believing essentially that is what occurred. Officials from both the commissioner's office and players association visited the ranch at a later date, also confirmed that uh, that version of how Cespedes was injured. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Right. You're Brody Van Wagen and you're just having a a routine day. Maybe Edwin Diaz has blown another save. Maybe uh, one of those teams that you told uh, to come and get you has come and gotten you. And you're just hanging out, maybe, you know, having a little time, a little day with the family. And your phone rings. Oh, it's it's Yoannis. Oh, look at that. Hey, yo, what's going on, buddy? Well, Brody, um, I got myself into a, a bit of a situation here. Oh, really? Well, what's going on? Well, you know how I'm out with the ankles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're looking forward to getting you back. Well, I got hurt again. You got hurt again? How'd you get hurt? You're out. You can't move around, I figured. Well, I was trying to sidestep a boar. Damnedest thing. Thing came out of nowhere. I mean, can you imagine being Brody Van Wagen and getting that call? I know, I'm sure as a general manager, as a boss at that level of a billion-dollar organization, there's just things that pop up that you cannot foresee. I'd have to think this one kind of pops up on the list. And then Brody's got to get off the phone with Yoannis, and he has to call people within the organization Hey, I know, I don't, what are you doing? All right, I need you to stop doing that. I need you to fly down to Florida to confirm whether or not Yoannis Cespedes re-injured himself by sidestepping a boar. I mean, that is just a, that is a day for the the record books. So, sweetie, what happened at work today? Well, you're not going to believe this. We had to uh, send Bob down to uh, Florida to do some recognizance on uh, Yoannis Cespedes' ranch to find out whether or not there was any wild boar running around. <laughs> the commissioner's office getting involved, the players association getting involved. You got to get some better traps. They, where do you sell traps for boar? I mean, that, I, I think that's an internet item. I don't believe that's a Home Depot. I don't think you go to Home Depot and say, hey, do you got any boar trap? No. Rats, mice, maybe some other animals. That, that deer repellent that doesn't work that they sell. Bizarre. Very, very strange one for sure. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And it's one of those injuries. You know, there are a lot of injuries in baseball over the years. And I've heard people say that this is the strangest one. I don't think it's the strangest one. It's an odd one. And it's one that right away, as soon as you hear it, you say, only the Mets could hand, foot, and mouth, valley fever. I didn't even know people had intercostal muscles until the Mets just had a slew of them over the years. I'm pretty sure I don't. I think I was born without intercostal muscles, but that's my own issue. But the wild boar story, I feel like that's going to be one that uh, is going to live for a while. It's not the strangest one. I still think the strangest one was, remember Glen Allen Hill? Glen Allen, and whether or not it's true or not, I don't know how you would prove this. It's hard enough to prove whether or not wild boar are what uh, sidetracked uh, Jonas Cespedes' contract. But Glen Allen Hill one time uh, reportedly injured himself falling through a glass table because he woke up from a nightmare about spiders. That I think that one probably still tops Yoannis. But you know what? Yoannis's comes in pretty high on whatever list you want to put together. Yoannis's does come in pretty strong. I don't know if it's number one, 
but it's definitely pretty odd. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Steve Sparks is a, a guy who uh, one time, I think he injured his shoulder after a motivational speech. He tried to tear a phone book in half. So that, I think, is prob- that probably tops the bore. John Smoltz, there was a, a thing about him trying to iron a shirt while he was still wearing it. I don't know if the, any of these are true. I don't know how you would prove any of these are true. So that, I think, would probably, in terms of strange, that would probably top the bore. But after that, I feel like uh, it's pretty uh, bore, probably number four. That would that would be where I would go. More so than uh, Dwayner Sanchez with the taxi cab, remember that one? Or David Cohn and his mother's dog. So I would say bore on my list would be number four. But maybe you have a different list. And you know what the other part of it is? And this is not even joking. Like, if that's true, right, like the bore thing, how's he responsible for that? Like, why Why are they going after his contract as a result of that? I mean, that has to be a very specific contract that you're not allowed to injure yourself while sidestepping wild animals. Like, it's not like he was riding a dirt bike or, or remember Aaron Boone, he hurt his knee uh, playing basketball. Like, there's certain things you know you're not allowed to do. Maybe the riding of the horse? I don't know. It just seems very uh, odd to me that they'd go after the contract there. But uh, who knows? All right, this will conclude the wild boar portion of the show. I think I'm safe to say that. Let's get to Wild Card Weekend, right? 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Uh, Texans and Bills first up, followed by the Patriots and the Titans. And I think the second one, clearly by the time that it's on, uh, is the more interesting game, right? The fact the Titans and Patriots are 8 o'clock tonight. I think that's the more interesting matchup. It probably won't be – I wouldn't think that it's going to be the most sensational game in terms of just viewing and big plays and big passes and all that type of stuff. But the storylines coming in, I think, are are fascinating. Both how the teams played down the stretch and this feeling, especially with the fact that they're playing this weekend, that the Patriots dynasty could, and it feels like, I don't know, it feels like one of these stories that we've been talking about for at least five years. But this year, maybe more so than other years, although it was pretty, it was pretty, prominent last year around this time going into the playoffs like there was that big story but I think it was Seth Wickersham who had all the 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 details of the the fractured relationship between Brady and Belichick but this year it feels like there's a lot of people out there who have already kind of jumped ahead to the Patriots losing this weekend to Tennessee and what's going to happen next there's already been to me far too much conversation about where Tom Brady is going to be playing next year I'm just kind of interested in where Tom Brady is going to be playing next week. Is he going to be playing next week? That, to me, is much more fascinating in the now. I'm not worried about what's going to happen after this year, just yet. But I get that with the way the Titans have played down the stretch and since making the move, how their offense has looked since making the move to Ryan Tannehill, that the the Titans are kind of the trendy pick. Just for me, it's like... Picking against the Patriots is like touching the stove to see if it's hot. There have been too many times where I was convinced the stove was not hot. But yet it was. <laughs> yet it was. And I got burned time and time again. Now, I don't expect New England to make some deep playoff run this year. But I certainly can't bring myself to not just pick against them, but to put my money on the line. Right now that I live in Jersey, now that we have FanDuel and DraftKings and all these things, I can't in good conscience put my money on the app and say, you know what, let's go with Tennessee. I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to push the – like Fonzie couldn't bring himself to say sorry back in the day. Uh, That's maybe a dated reference. It has to be a better reference, more updated than that. But – I get that Derrick Henry's been fantastic, but I have a hard time envisioning that the Titans are going to go into New England and they're going to run the ball up and down the field, just run the ball down the Patriots' throats. And Belichick, I mean, almost every time, what's the first thing he does? He takes away whatever the top weapon is. And for Tennessee, I know Tannehill's played great. But that offense primarily operates as a run-first offense. Derrick Henry getting those big yards and then having Tannehill make some plays in the passing game for sure. But if you're going to attack that that Titans offense, you're going to try to take away Derrick Henry as much as possible. And I just have a hard time believing that given which what happened last week, 
given all the stories out there about how the Patriots could be done and it's the, 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 the end is near, the light is under the door, and what's going to happen after this season about the Patriots dynasty. I have a hard time believing that the, the Titans are going to be able to go in there and effectively run the ball. And I do get the feeling that on Monday, when we're sitting around talking again, there are going to be a lot of people saying to themselves, man, I can't believe I actually thought the Titans were going to go into New England and beat the Patriots. Beat Belichick, beat Brady, and, and just to, to roll to that win. Or not even roll. And look, I think if they're going to win the Titans, it's pre, it's almost like I think they have to kind of follow the the model that the Ravens used all those years ago. Get into the game, jump them early, get a big lead, and then not need to make so many plays down the stretch and you get the win that way. I just can't see it being a close game late. And I get the Brady has not been good, and he has not been good for a long time. And that offense is certainly not what you would expect from the Patriots at this time of year. But I do feel like the, the rumors of the Patriots' demise have been, uh, have been greatly exaggerated, at least to this point. You tell me next week they get into a game and they lose? Okay, fine, I can see that. I, I don't expect them to go back to the Super Bowl this year. I just think that they're, they're kind of trending in the wrong direction. But to think that uh, Mike Vrabel is going to go into uh, New England with his Titans and uh, and beat the Patriots, I just I can't put my money on it. Can't put my money on it. Now the first game, not the same sizzle, but also a very interesting game: Bills and Texans. And this I don't feel like has been focused on enough because it's just maybe it's because of the teams, maybe it's because of the time slot the game has been put in. It's not the the premier teams and premier uh, fan bases. I think that there is huge pressure. On Houston in this game. This is what? Year six for Bill O'Brien? And he's got one playoff win. And it feels like the Texans are one of those teams that you get into the season. You like, ah, you know what? Maybe this is the year the Texans finally break through, right? Deshaun Watson's been there for a few years now. They're at home. They're facing a young Bills team. A young quarterback who I don't really trust that much. I know he makes some big plays, and maybe he will, and I think you'll have to if the Bills are going to win this game. And I think a lot of people expect, if you were to poll people, it feels like that the Bills are the team that most people think could be the road team that gets the win. But for the Texans, I mean, they, they are all in on this year. They've traded this year's number one pick, next year's number one pick. It's like put up or shut up time. And I don't get the feeling there's a lot of people that have a lot of faith in, in, in Bill O'Brien. There's just times in games where he makes decisions that just kind of make you scratch your head. But this is this is his time to I – mean, they have to win this game. If they lose on wild card weekend, what a disastrous season that has been. This is a team that sh- – I mean, based on the talent that they have, their quarterbacks in place, they've been you know kind of on the cusp here for a while. It's time for Watson to step up and win a game. It's time for the Texans to to get a win here. Uh, There's no way that they can lose this game and uh, be out on wild card weekend and look back on their season as anything close to a success, even though they made the playoffs. And to me, it's like this game will be decided by, and maybe all games are kind of decided this way, the Bills' defense does not give up big plays, right? Like their defense is strong. It's, It's one of the better defenses in the playoffs this year. And it's usually because they keep the plays in front of them, right? They don't have big, you know, usually don't hit them for big pass plays down the field. And the Texans are a team that there's times where you watch them. And when everything clicks, you say to yourself, it's the reason why we all sometimes kind of buy into Houston being maybe one of these teams that is finally going to break through. Because you see Deshaun Watson, you see Hopkins, you see Fuller, you see all these big plays, you see Watt when he's healthy and he's back for this game. You know, they make these big plays, these big sensational highlights, but it doesn't feel like they have the consistency, especially not on offense. They're a very quick strike offense, which is great, right? If you can quick strike quickly, fantastic. But it doesn't feel like they're the kind of team that's going to be able to grind out plays and grind out yards. And it feels like this is that's the kind of game that this is going to be for their offense against this Bills defense. And again, I can't stress it enough. Ton of pressure on them. They have to win. Have to win. Otherwise, uh, it feels like a lot of times, too, we get into the playoffs and we've had all the coaching changes the Monday after the season. Sometimes you get into the offs- you get into the playoffs and there's that one situation that kind of shakes loose. And I know people have kind of speculated that about Mike Zimmer. You, you kind of wonder how much time Bill O'Brien's going to get because it has been underwhelming so far. 
from when he got there, it seemed like such a big move, and it seemed like they were a team that was going to be you know, a real factor. And they have not been. They've been enough so that they've made the playoffs a few times, but it, it doesn't feel like they're trending in any big direction. But if they get a win this week, who knows? Maybe they could be a team that gets on the run of the playoffs. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get a couple of calls in here before the break. Here is uh, James in Staten Island. James, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's up, brother? Love the show. Uh, I was calling from the early assessment thing, but I love yeah. this on this uh, situation. Um, uh, the, I think everybody's picking Tennessee to go in there and win. And like you said, it's very hard as a football fan to understand that to happen because – Everybody's overlooking the Patriots' defense. They got the best rush defense in the NFL. So like you said, Bill Belichick's going to draw up the D, shut down Derrick Henry, put it on Ryan Tannehill, and then you got four of the best DBs in probably that whole conference. No? Just shut it down? Yeah, I mean, look, their defense has not played as strong as it had uh, earlier in this. I mean, in the beginning of the season, it was, you know, a historic it was defense. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, and it was, uh, it was a defense that not only, you know, got stops, but got takeaways, got points. Uh, they've not been that strong, but I mean, that might just be the level of competition that they've been facing off against as well. Uh, but yeah, yep. I mean, it, it does kind of feel like people are kind of jumping the gun too much and uh, that, oh. that, that, that those people are going to be sitting here on Monday saying to themselves, and, and I get, I can understand why, right? If you just gave me the stats and just gave me uh, how both teams performed over the course of the season, the way they were trending at the end of the season, I can understand why you would say, hey, Titans, they're going to be a live favorite. I've just been burned too many times by New England to think that this is going to be the – I need to see it happen before I'm, I'm, I'm willing to buy in. Exactly. I'm not picking on the win the Super Bowl. And our last point here, Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think if the Saints win tomorrow, they, they uh, I mean on Sunday, they're probably – probably favorite to me to win win that conference win that whole uh, NFC yeah I mean look uh, they're, they're going to be a, a, a certainly a trendy pick I, I can certainly see that uh, I think a lot of people like the Saints this this uh, this year I, I, I just in terms of betting the game I didn't really touch on that one you know the Saints had a couple of injuries to their defensive line and uh, those guys are not going to be back for this game and I just kind of wonder whether or not, you know, the Vikings in terms of personnel, in terms of overall talent, you know the way that they're going to want to play that game, right? They're going to want to run the ball heavily. That's Mike Zimmer's game plan. And now with those injuries uh, that the the the, the uh, Saints had to their defensive line, I wonder of, of whether or not they're going to be able to control the game that way. Because it does feel like everybody's kind of hot on uh, on the Saints. And look, the Saints are fantastic. If they did go to the Super Bowl this year, I mean, if you had to pick one team this weekend that's playing this weekend, that you'd say, yeah, I can see that team winning and getting on a roll and being uh, in the Super Bowl in a month from now. Everybody, I think, would take the Saints. And not just because they're their highest uh, favorite this week, but I, I don't think most people believe that the Patriots are going to be able to get on that run. Uh, Seahawks, Eagles, I don't think that, you know, both those teams I think have some pretty significant flaws. Uh, the Bills and Titans, I don't think, whoever wins that game, I don't think anybody thinks that the, 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 the winner of that game is going to win another game. So if you had to pick one team this week, yeah, it's going to be clearly New Orleans, whose window of opportunity you have to think is kind of cl- I mean, two of the mo- more painful playoff losses here the last two years, so maybe they're able to overcome. I'm not uh, as high on the bandwagon. I think they win. I just don't know whether I think they cover. And I'll tell you right now, if the Vikings had any quarterback outside of the quarterback they did, that line would not be what it is. (laughs) I don't think that's really much of a stretch considering Kirk Cousins' record in these big games as well. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We've been talking a lot about uh, the uh, NFL playoffs, wild card weekend. If you want to get in on that, we got to touch on Dave Gettleman, too, and his performance from uh, the week. <laughs> what, what would review would you give that one? Uh, that was uh, not uh, not the best. At least the one thing we've taken off the table is the idea. Dave's got to come out and talk. He's not talked to us since before the season. We need answers. Then you got the answers, and the, I think those were co- even scarier than the answers you thought you had. Uh, let's go back to the phones. So 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's go to Eddie and Canarsie. Eddie, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. How you doing this I'm morning? I'm good, man. How Happy are you? New Year. Happy New Year to you. I'm all right. Listen, uh, I'm not betting against New England because, you know, everybody's talking about the dynasty is going to be over. But look at this. Even if New England get beaten today, their dynasty is not over because they're in the, they're in the, in the AFC East, which is a weak conference. They'll be right back in the playoff next year with a – 
even if Tom Brady leave or whatever with a different quarterback, because Bill Belichick has proven himself to be like the greatest football coach in the NFL, right? Yep, and um, one absolutely. more thing I want to say yeah. to you. Go ahead. I think the Super Bowl is going to be Green Bay and Baltimore. Well, certainly Baltimore, yeah. I mean, they're the they're the odds-on favorite, right? You look at the the landscape of the AFC, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised if the, the Ravens make a run, win a couple of games, and they're in the Super Bowl. You know, Green Bay... I was reading that uh, Bill Barnwell article and just, you know, just watching the NFL season overall. But the Bill Barnwell article really kind of details it perfectly. Like when you take a look at their performance over the course of the season, they didn't really perform as good as their record indicates. And look, I guess you can't ever bet against Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Maybe he gets on some sick run here and is just uh, unbeatable. But I don't look at Green Bay as being this um, this big time team, this big time. See, and I know that you know they got the buy, obviously. But I I would not even for a team with a buy. Usually, one of the teams with the buy they do fine. But the other one, there's a lot of times they get picked off. It doesn't feel like very often that number one and number two are facing off in the conference title games. So if I had to pick one of the teams that does have the buy this week that doesn't make it to the following week. Well, they'll make it obviously the next one. <laughs> that would really be a bad performance. You lose even before you play a game. No, but to get out of the the the, the divisional round of the playoffs next week, I think it would be uh, Green Bay. I, I, I'm not a big believer in Green Bay. Even with the Niners possibly facing the Seahawks for the third time this year. Yeah, I just divisional game. Both of the both of the two previous games came down to a, you know a I'm last not, second field goal. Again, I'm not convinced that the I, I know that I think the Seahawks are the more trendy pick, even though they're on the. So maybe I was wrong when I said before about the the Bills, but uh, the Seahawks seem like a lot of people like the Seahawks to go into to Philadelphia this week. Um, let's see, you know, let's see that happen too. The Seahawks are a team that has flaws too, so I don't think that they're um, that they're unbeatable by any stretch. I just don't. I would have to kind of – you're going to feel differently when you know the matchups and you can kind of look at it. But I don't look at Green Bay as sitting here right now not knowing who their opponent is saying I can see them playing in a Super Bowl. But by the way, think about the potential divisional quarterback matchups we can get next weekend. Yeah, Rodgers, Breeze. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, Rick, Chris, and Dave were talking about it. I mean, uh, Garoppolo, you, you Wilson. cannot want anything more than that. Yeah. Then you get fantastic. Brady Mahomes, Watson, and Lamar Jackson. That that would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how like sometimes you get away from the most important thing is is making sure you got your quarterback. And we'll get close more on it when we get closer to the draft and and closer when we get a Tua decision uh, on what's he going to do. Because he's going to go back to Alabama or or into the draft. I don't care what team you are. Maybe if you're a team that you know for sure, you know, you're at the back end of the first round. You don't need a quarterback. I can't see how anybody with a high pick. If Tua decides to come out, is willing to risk basically your career on a quarterback who is coming off that injury and has had other injuries as well. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So maybe he does go decide to go back to Alabama. The people who are like the insiders, that's they think what's going to happen. And maybe he's going to bet on himself. And maybe that's the right call. I think for him, the right call, if I were him, I would enter the draft and get the money now rather than risking it because, yes, is it possible he goes back to school and he has an amazing season and he gets picked? He's not going to get picked all that much higher than he would this year anyway. But, all right, say he gets picked third next year or second next year. Yeah, that's great. But I think there's a better chance that he suffers another injury. He's had a, a pretty sustained history of injuries, maybe not as serious as the one he's got right now, but he's had a lot of injuries. That is not a guy I would be staking my my draft stock on, my my – if you're one of these teams, a lot of times you only get to pick the one quarterback. That's it. And are you willing to to be? Are you willing to bet your life that that's the guy you're going to go with? Let's go out to Kevin in the car. Kevin, what's going on, man? Uh, good morning. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, I got a question, pretty much. Um, I know when the Giants hired Pat Shermer, uh, a lot of the criticism was that he was brought on officially too late and could not uh, get maybe the assistance that he truly wanted just because the Vikings went to the to the conference championship game. Not that I want the Giants to rush with their next head head coach, but shouldn't the the, the pressure be on them so the assistance, the good assistance that that are that are out there aren't taken up by by other teams? 
Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a thing. You, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, you know, the old thing used to be, Kevin, that you don't really fire a coach in season in the NFL because the, whoever comes in, you'd have to, it's not enough time to change all the things that necessary in terms of play calling, all those things. But I think that that's kind of changed now because it shows you, like, Washington is not a premier job, I don't think, by any stretch. But the fact that they knew that they fired their coach ahead of time allowed them to hit the ground running as soon as the – maybe they hit the ground running even before the season ended because they had already gotten Jay Gruden out of there and it allowed them to land Ron Rivera who looked like he was going to be one of the real hot names this coaching period. And he landed a job and I don't think it's a great job. I think it would probably – I guess you'd have to say Cleveland's job is worse. But I think that he took a job right out of the box that is not a great job. But for Washington's point of view – the fact that they were able to land him already, he's made the move um, with uh, Jack Del Rio. So, yeah, I do think that that does have to factor in. I don't think that it's going to be the primary factor. I think the primary factor is you got to get the right guy, and then you kind of you, you hope that you can get a staff together. But, yeah, that should be a fact. You, you want to do it sooner rather than later, right? The time is the ticking. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. You know that they're... They're slipping by very quickly. And the NFL has done a nice job over the last, what, 15, 20 years of, of the offseason. And for a lot of our teams, the offseason is far more interesting than the regular season. But it is kind of sad that you'll, uh, you only have 11 games left in the NFL season. So this week, I would say, look, who knows how it's going to go tomorrow. But I would say at this point, at 7.48 on a Saturday of wildcard weekend before a game has been played in the postseason this year, Hard to have a better week, at least so far, than the Philadelphia Eagles. What a week they had. We talk all the time about the Patriots and their division and how even if they were to move on from Tom Brady after this year, you'd still probably give them a fighting chance in the AFC East considering what the other teams look like. And I'm not going to say it's to that level, but the Eagles had a pretty good week. A, you have the Cowboys doing whatever they're doing, and I don't know what that is. I t- I'm telling you right now, I know there's reports that they're going to move on. For, I mean, mountain ranges have been made quicker than uh, the, the, the Cowboys have made their move at head coach. I can't do another season of Jason Garrett. And I'm not even a Cowboy fan. I can't take the shows and the articles and the news reports about Jason Garrett for another year. I can't do it, people. I can't do it. Hey, is this game in October going to spell the end for Jason? I can't do it anymore. I'm out. I'm out. I can't do LeBron versus MJ. I can't do Jason Garrett. I can't do it. So hopefully, not for his sake, but just for sports fans' clarity and sanity, more importantly, they eventually make a decision. But that's a decision that should have been made in an instant, right? The 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 idea of if you look at it, you should be able to tell right away, especially since you sat through all of it. And I like how now one of the reasons of defense given for Jason Garrett is is that Kellen Moore was calling the plays this season, right? That Jason Garrett couldn't be successful, that he had told Jerry Jones it's not going to be successful without me calling plays. Well, what about the previous nine years? <laughs> Do those not count any? Has the, uh, the, the window of opportunity on those ones closed already? We don't talk about those ones? It's only this year? No, all the years combined, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. I'm not saying Jason Garrett's the worst head coach that I've ever seen, but I think with that talent, I think that it should be better than it is. And I think eventually, I I can't see what they're talking about with these meetings. If they do eventually fire him, I feel like Jason Garrett should just keep showing up at work like George when he quit quit that job over the executive bathroom. Just show up again. Jerry Jones, uh, wait a sec, I thought we fired, did we fire him? Did we not fire him? I'm starting to question whether or not we fired him. So you have the Cowboys situation going on with what it is. You have the Redskins, who seem like they're off to a good start in the offseason until their owner got up there at the press conference to introduce Ron Rivera and wished everybody a happy Thanksgiving. So you have to (laughs) – I'm sorry, what? Happy Thanksgiving. You have a lot of holidays to run through there, Dan. Uh, And then you have uh, the Giants. The Giants, Dave Gettleman, obviously this week had a season-ending press conference on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, kind of did the rounds on radio, talk with Michael Kay and the guys. And look, there was a lot of takeaways. There was actually a lot of information 
given during those those a lot of times you get to these things and, and and people are so guarded like think about all the times that brian cashman comes on and i like hearing brian cashman but man he's a master at saying a whole lot using a whole lot of words and not really giving you any big information and that's his job good for him but gettleman gave you a lot of stuff the fact that pat Shermer was the guy who first discovered daniel jones and brought it to him and said that that's the guy that he liked uh, that the decision to fire Pat Shermer came from above him. It wasn't necessarily his decision. But to me, the biggest takeaways were that he has now had two years, Dave Gettleman, which is a tough time to judge a GM. That's fair. You usually need more time than that. But he's had two approaches in two years, and both could not have been more wrong. Now, I don't know necessarily that you needed him to say that. I think the results tell you that. But the fact that he was willing to say that, even in a very guarded sense, I kept hearing people talking about how Gettleman had been humbled and that he sounded very humble. I just felt like he sounded very guarded, like he didn't want to give you any information. He was just giving, sticking to the question that was asked without filling in any more details that he didn't necessarily need to give. But he's had two approaches in two years, and both of them have failed spectacularly. The first year was, to me, even worse. And maybe things would feel better right now if, if Gettleman had come on board and decided to do the rebuild right away. Because that first year, I mean, I mean, that was just a complete disaster. And that was apparent from, from jump. We were talking about that the moment they were making the moves. Be it signing uh, Nate Solder and Omame and all these guys and making the trade for, for Ogletree and, and trading away a draft pick when it was clear you needed to rebuild. And I'm winning five games, but I mean, they did those games. Look at the games that they won. They beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks down the stretch after starting the year one and seven. They were not even as good as their record indicated, and their record was terrible. So the first year, that was completely a disaster. And then his idea that we could rebuild and win at the same time, well, that was clearly proven to be not true either. So now you're going into year three, and those approaches, all right, they, they tell you something about the future, right? You could you could not be more wrong on the first two accounts. But now it really comes into how does not only does that play in your search for a head coach, but also how does his personality, Gettleman's personality. Now he talked to Kay, and it, it seemed like news to him that people can see him as maybe condescending. He fought back at the idea that his personality would prevent him from finding necessary you know the the right head coach to move on with but to me the fact that Ron Rivera and I don't really feel like this has been touched on really at all Ron Rivera was a guy that Dave Gettleman worked with and if he's being honest and I have to assume he is he talked about on the K show how he would have loved to have been able to contact Ron Rivera but by the time the season had ended, that ship had kind of already sailed. And here's Ron Rivera, a guy who's worked with Gettleman in the past. They had some success together. And Rivera wasn't willing to wait to see if he was going to get an interview with the Giants, with a guy that he's worked with before. He ran out and took the job. Maybe the Browns' job is worse, although there's far more talent on the Browns' roster than on the Redskins' roster. He took very well... Rivera, the worst coaching job in the NFL, and did so without even hearing what the Giants had to offer. And all I hear about, and I think it's fair, if you're looking at the jobs this year and you can rank them however you want, maybe the Cowboys' job to you is better than the Giants' job, maybe um, the Browns' job is worse than the Redskins' job, but I think clearly the Redskins' and the Browns' jobs, based on not just what you have in terms of but in terms of things that you can actually impact. And it's very hard, I think, to impact bad ownership. The Giants have, you might criticize the co-owners of the Giants, they've had success. And the fact that Ron Rivera didn't even want to stick around and wait for the possibility of an interview with what most see as one of the premier jobs in sports, certainly one of the premier jobs that's available this offseason. But yet he was willing to take the Redskins. I think that that speaks a, that speaks volumes, and it doesn't speak well about the the direction of the Giants and what the future is going to be with Dave Gettleman 
on board as the general manager moving forward. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. So we've been focusing a lot on the football uh, today and not just the, the, the playoffs and the wild card weekend, but the coaching carousel and uh, what the Giants should do, what they will do. It still kind of feels like it's up in the air, right? Like I know that they're going through the interview process. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, I believe, is going to interview today. Mike McCarthy uh, reportedly interviewed yesterday. To me, Mike McCarthy is the the, the cat. This, I don't think he's even close that he's the safest candidate. Now, you don't always want to go with just the safest candidate, but th- there has been this perception about Mike McCarthy, like he's completely he has like a completely vanilla resume. Somebody uh, tweeted me, well, why don't they just go by your reasoning? By my reasoning, they should just go hire Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher was eight games over 500 in his career. Mike McCarthy is 50. 50 games over 500. Now, did he get, did he maximize the talents uh, of Aaron Rodgers? No, probably not. It does feel like they probably should have won more there than they did. And the last couple of years of his tenure in Green Bay obviously did not go well. If he was a perfect candidate, he would still have a job. To me, the Giants at this point have to kind of reestablish some credibility. The way things have gone here the last four or five years, they've lost some of that. And I think Mike McCarthy is not only a safe candidate, he's the guy. I think that that guy comes in here right away, and it's still a rebuilding situation, but at least he's kind of been through the NFL meat grinder before, right? he's, He's kind of seen everything. Matt Rule is – could he be great? Yeah, maybe. But there's a lot more uncertainty there, and I just don't think that the Giants can afford that uncertainty right now. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone. All right, you know what? We, let's get it out of the way right now. We've not done it so far. Let's get the crazy out of the way. Here is uh, Omar in Brooklyn. Omar, what's going on, my man? Good morning. Happy New Year. Oh, you're very mellow. Is this you turning over a new leaf for 2020? 2020, I, I have to be very mellow today. I have to be very, very patient. I hope I have a really? good day. Really? Four days in, you're still holding t- holding firm. Good for you, my man. Okay, um, what do you think about uh, today's game? I, I, it, it is so far-fetched that I'm so confident that uh, Tennessee Titans is going to beat New England. and. Okay. My bills are not going to, like, my bills and uh, what you call the house and taxes are going to play a close game. So I'm very, very nervous. But uh, it does not feel right when your team that you do not feel confident and the other team you're 100% confident. But after watching all these games, whatever you say, uh, that uh, Derek Henry and the Tennessee Titans are going to write it down, my. This is my first hundred percent. I will wait for my Buffalo. I hope mm-hmm. it is going to be a good day that Buffalo Bills are winning, and I will enjoy New England Patriots uh, uh, getting demolished by Tennessee Titans. But take it for granted, Tennessee Titans are going to take it to New England Patriots. Derrick Henry is coming, and the Henry they call the storm. That is the real storm that is coming to Boston, and that will take the New England fans and Bill Belichick out of New England. It is over for New England. Mm. It started last week, mm. and this is it, my friend. All right. New England Patriots era is over, and Buffalo Bills era starts. All right. Well, look, Omar, I, I gave you my uh, – not necessarily my picks for the week. I usually wait until a little closer to game time to kind of tweet those out. Uh, I feel more confident in them now, though. I almost feel like I can make them official. Now that uh, Omar has told me that the Titans are definitely just going to go into New England, just run up and down the field and just put uh, the whole thing to bed. Belichick doesn't matter. Brady doesn't matter. New England doesn't matter. Foxborough doesn't matter. All that stuff doesn't matter. They got Ryan Tannehill. They got Derrick Henry. And the Bills, they're just going to go in there and walk over them, too. That's nice to know. Nice to know. I can hit up the old, get me to Jersey. That's what I would get me to Jersey. I can't do it while I'm here in New York. Get me to Jersey. Now that Omar has spoken, I feel even more confident what I should do. And I do think that the Texans, I mean, that is, they have a ton of pressure on them. And they've not always responded to the pressure in the best way. That That is a game they cannot afford to lose. Other teams can lose, and, you know, it is what it is. Uh, to, Texans have to be able to go out there this week and uh, get a win against the Bills. Young team, young quarterback, an unproven quarterback. Their quarterback's got to play well, and they got to get a win. No other way. They, they are all in on this season. They were all in on this season 
when they decided to, to trade the two number ones for Laramie Tunsil and they told you, all right, we're going for it right now. And I'm not saying that they're going to get it right now. I don't expect uh, some Super Bowl run out of the Texans, but you certainly can't lose at home on Wild Card Weekend if you make those kind of moves. All right, here's uh, Ryan in Center Reach. Ryan, you're next up on ESPN New York. How's it going, Gordon? Hey, man, what's up? I'm just curious about coaches that uh, have been fired and then set out a year and been hired the next year and the success. So I'm a Jet fan, but the Giants situation is, you know, very peculiar. And does Mike McCarthy make sense to him after he sat out for a year watching the NFL? Well, I mean, it wasn't his choice to sit out a year, right? I mean, he didn't get offered a job. I, I... I agree, but guys that have sat out for a year coaching and come back the next year that get hired, uh, what's the success rate? What, what do you uh, I mean, believe? You, you, for, you would have to. That? You'd have to. I don't. Rem, you know, like I can give you the coaches that I remember who got fired and then went on to other situations and had success. Obviously, Belichick is one going to be one that everybody brings up, but that's a little bit. I think a bit of an outlier. Uh, Gary Kubiak is a guy who was with Houston, got fired, and then went to Denver, won a Super Bowl there. Uh, John Fox didn't have any success with the the Bears in his third stop, but went to uh, went from Carolina. I don't know if he – I don't know how long he sat out, but then went to Denver uh, and won a Super Bowl there. Uh, so, I mean, look, there's some guys who have obviously – it feels like you're trying to pinpoint the situation like we criticized the Jets for hiring Gase right away when he didn't have any success in Miami. He should have been forced to sit out a year. And now people are complaining, well, the guys who sat out a year, they didn't. How many guys of those have been successful? Coaching's tough. There's not that many guys who have success two places. But I think Mike McCarthy is one that I'd be well, of the names that I have heard. It feels like there's a whole bunch of uncertainty surrounding a lot of them. Now, Eric Bieniemy might turn out to be a great head coach. He's not even calling the plays in Kansas City. How you can project what he would be as a head coach feels like it's a little hard for me to see. I've seen Mike McCarthy be a head coach, and there are times where swinging for the fences, I think, is the right approach. For the Giants right now, I don't think it is. I think that they need to reestablish a little bit of credibility. And I also look at the fact that 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 Gettleman is staying on and who is somebody who I feel like his mindset will mesh with the head coach. It feels kind of hard for me to believe that Matt Rule is going to be willing to risk his first NFL stop and maybe his only NFL stop on on a, on a situation like that. It seems kind of hard for me to believe. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-37. Did I say that John Fox won in, in Denver? Yeah, you did, yeah, but he was, went to a Kubiak. Super Bowl. He went to a Super Bowl. He's the one that lost, right? Yeah. Kubiak's the one that won. Uh, I got that screwed up. I mess things up from time to time. What do you want me to tell you? Andy Reid also, you know, was, was somewhere, had success. Right, yeah, and has and now he hasn't won a Super Bowl in either place, and maybe he gets to a Super Bowl this year. does kind of feel like he needs that on his resume, uh, which is has been – Pretty, pretty solid. But, you know, Andy Reid's another good example. Like, he is a guy that, in terms of everything that a head coach does, right, he's never been able to win the big game. But in terms of developing quarterbacks, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good quality you would want your head coach to have. So, like, there's no perfect head coaches out there that are going to check all of the boxes. But I think Mike McCarthy checks a whole lot more than any of the other names that I've heard mentioned so far. And if you are a Giants fan, you would sign up for a coach who comes close to having the success Andy Reid has had, even devoid of a, a of a Super Bowl. Tom Coughlin's a guy who didn't have any success in his first. You know, he had success, but he didn't win a Super Bowl in his first stop. He came in here as a recycled head coach. I mean, that's another one that jumps out at you. Uh, let's go out to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on, my man? Hey, nothing much, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, Omar, man. Relax. Yeah, You're he was good. actually very relaxed today. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Omar. He's uh, very subdued. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not quite sure. Maybe because the Bills got over the hook and got in the playoffs, maybe, uh, you know. Got, it won't last. Down. Like most New Year's resolutions, Ira, we know it's not going to last. No, no, but I wish him luck, and I think his Bills have a good shot. I just, I don't trust the Texans. You know, I get that. I hear you. Teams, yep. You know, and, and you can run the ball on them. And, you know, I do agree with them with the Titans. 
Um, I, I think they could go in and listen. I know it's Belichick, but man, there's just something not right with that team. You know, maybe I'm going to look like a fool tomorrow, but I think the Titans have a real good shot to win this game. And with the coaching, you know, th- there's no sure thing when you hire a coach. I mean, you're rolling the dice for the most part. But I have to assess what you just said. You know, I think McCarthy probably is the way to go. And boy, just look look at that now. You, you had the Giants taking Barkley, the Jets taking Donald. You know, you had that debate all year. Now mm-hmm. they got Jones, and now you, you got the Jones, and you have the Donald debate. And now you're going to have McCarthy coming possibly to the Giants, or Rule coming to the Giants, and the Jets hired Gase. You're going to have Zacher next year. So uh, the Jets and Giants are linked together for at least one more or two more years for sure. Yeah, if they take either Rule or McCarthy, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, now, who knows? Maybe there's some other candidate that pops up. Who knows? Maybe Jason Garrett gets let go in Dallas, and uh, that's why the the Giants are waiting to swoop in. <laughs> Speaking of things that would be good for sports talk show hosts, maybe not one that's coming up at nine o'clock. He would. I don't think he'd be too happy about that. But uh, the rest of us, they we'd certainly like that. Yeah, bring in Jason Garrett. That would be. That would be now. That would be an example of somebody who is a safe head coach, right? Like you know what you're going to get, but I don't think that that's the way to go. I, 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 that would not be the, the safe route that I would want to go. Mike McCarthy, th- th- there should be no debate of the people who are up for the job that have been mentioned for the job. There's no question whose resume is the best of the bunch. It's not even close. Nobody else is competing. It's almost like a giant game. It's not even close. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the football wild card weekend. We'll get into that at 1-800-919-ESPN. We've been talking about uh, Dave Gettleman and his future now with the Giants. Is it's established. He's back and he's uh, – I liked how even the day that he had the press conference, there were still people calling up saying, well, maybe they could make a change if one of the coaches says that they – no, he's here. He's staying. He's not going anywhere just yet. So get used to the fact that Dave Gettleman is going to be your GM for a little while. You would think it has to be, if you're deciding to bring him back after the two years that have gone this way, you can't allow him to hire another coach and then get to this point next year and think, even if it doesn't improve, that you're going to move, you kind of have to allow him to, to operate as a GM. You don't want him operating as if his job is in jeopardy every second of the day because then he's going to make short-sighted decisions. So then the question becomes about the coach. Who's going to be the next coach? And I feel like from people I've talked to, maybe it's it's not the case. Maybe it's not as overwhelming as it seems. It feels like most fans like Matt Rule, that that's the guy that most of them would go with. And I can understand why, because how often are you really sitting around watching Baylor games, watching Temple games, that you've seen Matt Rule? I've seen uh, a couple of games here and there. I don't think that I've ever sat and watched a Baylor game start to finish. I've seen that clip going on around about him talking about toughness, and it's uh, certainly inspiring to hear him talk. But the nice thing about Matt Rule is is that he doesn't really – he's not as well established as some of the other names. So you can, as a fan, kind of fill in the holes there with hope, right? He's kind of a nice blank slate. And you can look at the jobs that he did in the last couple of stops that he's had and say, okay, look, this guy, he can clearly coach in the college level. He can clearly rebuild programs. The situation he walked into Baylor was seen as a brutal situation. They won, they win one game the first year and on all those things. So you can look at Matt Rule and think, all right, this guy, he's going places. And people have said that, that Matt Rule, when he gets his chance in the NFL, is going to be a very good head coach. And that might be true. That might be true. But to me, at this point, where the Giants are, I think that you have to kind of recapture a little bit of credibility. And I get that he might not have the highest ceiling. He might not be the sexiest name. But to me, if I were a Giant fan right now, I would just want somebody that I know for sure right now is an NFL head coach. I'm not taking any undue risk. I'm not going so far outside the box. I want a guy who can come in here, who has had experience, who's had success, and can coach the team. And I know pretty much what I'm going to get. Matt Rule might turn out to be this the next head coach, the next whiz kid, whoever. But I think there's a better possibility that there's going to be a pretty tough transition for him. He's coached one year in the NFL as like an assistant. What was the assistant 
offensive line coach or something like that? I mean, that's not exactly a direct line to, to an NFL head coach. To me, the name that jumps out to me, and it did last year too, is Mike McCarthy. He has the fewest questions surrounding him. Does he have the highest ceiling? No. But I definitely think he has the highest floor. I think he is the safest guy. Matt Rule would be a first-time head coach coming into a rebuilding situation where there is still a lot of uncertainty. And I think when you get into you know things like that, you don't know what you don't know. Mike McCarthy has been around the block. I think he is the safest candidate. And this idea that's out there that Mike McCarthy can't coach is absolutely ridiculous. In his NFL career, he's 50 games over 500. He has a winning record in the playoffs. He's won a Super Bowl. Now, is he the perfect candidate? No, probably not. If he was, he'd still have a job. Oh, Gordon, you know, if he was this great of a coach, why didn't he get a job last year? He was available last year. Well, two of the places that didn't hire him, if you went back right now and gave the Browns the opportunity, hey, do you want to go with Freddie Kitchens, who's never coached at a, and, and, and he's never been a head coach at any level, and it, I mean, I don't know, maybe he'll get another chance somewhere down the road. He's not going to be getting another chance to be a head coach anytime soon anywhere else. Or the Jets, who decided to go with Adam Gase. I think most fans were on board back then with wanting Mike McCarthy. And while you can criticize fans left and right, oh, don't listen to the fans, that's one of the ones that maybe the Jets should have listened to the fans because Mike McCarthy could absolutely coach in the NFL. And it's been brought up by that piece that uh, has been going around uh, that the NFL Network did about how he's been preparing for this next opportunity. He's not, you know, the I, when he got fired, there was this perception, you know, oh, maybe he's burned out. You know, he was in Green Bay for a long time. Maybe he, you know, maybe the love of the position is, is kind of gone. He's been a guy who's been preparing so that wherever he does go and whenever he does get another opportunity, assuming that he does get one eventually, he's ready to hit the ground running. Doesn't seem like a guy who was burned out to me. The most surprising aspect of that piece, I think he still lives in Green Bay. I would figure that that would be the one positive of being fired by the Packers was <laughs> I got to move out of Green Bay. I don't have to live where it's winter nine months of the year. It's very odd. You know you're not getting the Packers job. Move, I would think, move someplace. Florida, here I come. But yeah, to me, the Giants job, it should be Mike McCarthy's. I felt like it should have been the Jets last year. It should have been the Jets last year. And at least what will be interesting from a sports talk show host perspective is that if it either is Matt Rule or if it's Mike McCarthy, both guys were kind of passed over by the Jets, right? Matt Rule certainly seemed like he had the inside track and then it fell apart, and Mike McCarthy was one of the finalists. So um, it'll be interesting to see which direction the Giants go. But to me, I don't even think it's close. Has he, was, Did he maximize the amount of opportunities that he had with the quarterbacks that he had? No, probably not. But you know what? Sometimes coaches in the second go-round learn from the experience of the first go-round. That's possible. I think it's certainly more possible that Matt, than, than the possibility of Matt Rule coming in here, first-time head coach, during a rebuild where, I mean, the entire defense has to be rebuilt. Most of the offense is still a work in progress and think that he's just going to be able to hit the ground running because he has uh, great leadership skills. just doesn't seem like that to me. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones we go. We'll go to our buddy Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. I have a couple of quick observations over on uh, by you on the Cespedes deal first. This has all the uh, uh, trimmings of, uh, for lack of a better word, of uh, non-payment of a bill at a strip club. That's what it seems like to me. There's no wild boy here. <laughs> this, this looks like a beatdown in the parking lot with all the gold chains. Oh, his ankles, his, well, his ankles were bad, so let's break his feet. So it, it, this looks. I don't buy. So you it. don't you don't believe that there was no. a wild boy? No, 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 no. Oh, wild. Look, look, I, I have to admit, Spike, it's a very strange story. Uh, it's not the way that not the direction I thought it would go. <laughs> but the fact that the Mets investigated it, at least according to this story, that the, the players' association was involved. I, I guess there's no way that. You can prove 100% that that's what happened. Maybe he was just riding a horse and he jumped off and he broke his ankles. 
But no, no, I don't not know. Gonna, not going to convince me of that. And the fact that he gave in so readily to taking what an eighty percent pay cut. I it does seem it. a little strange. Yeah, very, very strange. Now on on the uh, Jets passing and the Giants passing, the credentials are obviously with McCarthy. I mean, you can't. If I said Gordon Damer was a head coach, but I think it's something like nine playoff appearances in fifteen years. Don't quote me, but pretty close. Yeah, and a Super Bowl, and and he, you never heard a word during that whole tenure. I know you're you're a. Um, I can't remember. I get so damn old. The you uh, the the Dolphins. Dolphins, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, you never heard anything bad about Mike McCarthy. Am I correct? I mean, well, I mean, you, you. I mean, they, they, over the last couple of years, you heard more about the relationship with uh, Aaron Rodgers, maybe not being the best. Uh, when they you were know, losing. aspects of that. Yeah, I mean, right, yeah, right. when they were losing, but nine out of fifteen. Name another team in the NFL, sans the, the Patriots, who's done that. And one last thing. I do this. I do. I, I won't name the, the website, but there's a website that's available in New Jersey that gives you uh, if the, they up to fifty bucks. I think if you score the first touchdown in the game, you win the bet. Okay. So, so what I've been doing is I just bet the long shots every game. The best for me was I bet the ten bucks or something on Army, and they scored the first touchdown. They lost like fifty-four to seven. All right, there you go. But no, you got to look. look into it. It's, it's, it's right. they're live. They're live long shots this weekend. They really are. I think uh, Minnesota's got a shot. At seven and a half. Look, I could look ridiculous, and my picks this year were not the best. Uh, I'll admit that. I think I finished two games under five hundred, which uh, I just had a cold spell in the middle of the year and just uh, was never able to overcome that. And I might look foolish because the Saints can certainly make you look foolish, right? If the Saints go out there and you know light up the scoreboard and Kirk Cousins is typical Kirk Cousins in big spots, yeah, I could see the Saints just roll into an easy win, but I just look at those injuries that the the the, the Saints have had along that defensive line and how how Mike Zimmer's going to want to play that game. I feel like he's going to want to play that game like he plays every game, right? Run the ball, establish the run, maybe make a couple of passing plays here and there, and those injuries allow should allow him and allow the Vikings to maybe kind of control the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.